You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. We're back. Hey! On the creative commentary. So excited. Of the Horizons Church podcast. I notice each time you try something different. I do, and I regret it. No, Every time. We have a lot to go, and I'm never going to discourage that. That is wow. Because who knows what we'll discover. <laughs> who knows what we will discover. Yeah. I know what we, something we're going to discover today. today. Yeah. We're in the book of numbers. Ooh, I'm really excited. We like, are so close to finishing up the Pentateuch. Well, that's not why I'm excited. <laughs> I guess that's a nice thought. Um, is, you know. But I did my research this time. Oh, I knew we were going to do numbers because, you know, that comes next. Right. <laughs> numbers, <laughs> numbers surprise. is difficult. But knowing that it would be difficult, I really, I came up with a litany of cultural examples that relate to numbers. I am very do you excited. Want to do you want to I want to preview. Okay. I have the fifth element, seven 10 Things I Hate About You, 50 First Dates, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Oceans 11, 12, 13, and 8, 16 Candles, The Magnificent Seven, 10 Cloverfield Lane, The Hateful Eight, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Take your pick. I don't think numbers means what you think it means. Don't do this to me. <laughs> don't do this to me now. Okay. Uh, that's good. I love yeah. that. Well, I, I got love that. one more ace up my sleeve, so just buckle up. That is, I don't know that I could think of a better intro, actually, good. culturally and research-wise, <laughs> to the book of numbers, which is the book that we are in yes. today. Mm. That was a, for those of you who watch Parks and Recreation, that was a purred happily reference. Subtle part, happily reference. Nobody else is going to get that. I missed it. It's okay. It's it's all over. I need to quit being the host of this podcast. We are in the book of Numbers, mm-hmm. and it is a slightly more difficult book. Yeah, it is. That's very true. To analyze thematically, mm-hmm. much less if you're actually digging into the passages in the text and actually reading through it. Because it's kind of a weird mix of narrative and rehashing some of the law, and it's very interesting. And that makes it a, a unique book <laughs> to polite. You're being polite. look at thematically. But that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That's what you all pay us the big dollars. They don't, but if to you do, want I was to, say, just email us. <laughs> <their> <laughs> podcast at horizonschurch.net. You don't pay the big dollars to do this. You know, that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Moving Point on. being, we're in numbers, and we are going to look at a couple of themes here so that as mm-hmm. you are reading through it and thinking through it, these will be some guideposts for you, maybe some some signposts to guide you mm-hmm. in your reading of the book of Numbers. So here's some things to keep in mind. First of all, what you're going to see emphasized in Numbers is that God will not back down on his promises to bless his people, even in spite of their stubbornness, obstinance, and rebellion. Mm. And playing off that, what you actually see is the progressive fulfillment of God's promises. Okay. So God does not fulfill all of his promises to Abraham at once. Okay. And he made those promises in Genesis to give him children, land, Mm. and to make him a blessing to the world, to all the nations. He doesn't fulfill all those promises at once. By the time we get to numbers, what he has fulfilled is the promise to give Abraham great offspring, right? Right. Because at this point, Israel is a giant, huge (laughs) nation. They are gigantic. They have millions of people at this point traveling through the wilderness to get to the promised land. That's the next promise that seems to be 
waiting for its fulfillment in this sequence. Mm-hmm. Offspring have happened. What we're waiting on now is to see how God is going to fulfill his promise to give Abraham and his descendants the promised land. Yeah. So that's one of the major themes here. You see that not only is God progressively fulfilling his promises in his time and the way that he ordains and chooses, but he's also not going to back down from them. Over and over again, throughout the Pentateuch, throughout Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but especially in Numbers, you see over and over again, the Israelites ceaselessly complain and grumble. I mean, they say things like, I wish we had just been left in Egypt. You know, yeah. this this place, you just, you know, we were rescued from the slavery. I wish we were left back there and they grumble against God and Moses. And mm-hmm. God, in spite of this, continues to keep and fulfill his promises to his people. So, that's one theme and kind of piggybacking off of that is in a broader sense, you see how the promises of God take time to fulfill, mm-hmm. not just the promises he made to Abraham. I'm talking about all the promises that God makes throughout scripture. I mean, he makes hundreds of promises to his people. Yeah. There is nothing that says he has to necessarily fulfill promises that he gives immediately. Or even while you still draw a breath. Right, like, exactly. There are situations where something will come to pass. It doesn't mean you're going to get to watch it happen. Yeah, again, as an example of this, I mean, Abraham did not live to mm-hmm. see his family grow yeah. into a giant nation that went in and inherited this prosperous land. And I think that's something that we're very prone to forget. Yes. For example, a promise that I think a lot of people love and cling to, like uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, which mm-hmm. says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. All right. Well, first of all, that promise is given in the context of sending the nation of Israel, <laughs> Judah, into exile, Yes. right? Which is kind of a fun thing that we forget. But that promise, that specific promise, when God is talking to his people, he says there are going to be 70 years. There are going to be people that are going to die before they see that happen, that they're going to be brought back from their exile into a sort of freedom. Now, how much more promises like when, and you think like a promise where God says, I'm going to wipe every tear from their eye and sorrow and pain will be no more in the book of Revelation. I doubt that promise is coming true in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, that that promise is probably going to be fulfilled. I mean, that could be that could be centuries after we're all dead. Yeah. It could be fulfilled, you know, maybe in the next few decades. Could sure. be, not without the realm of possibility. But all that to say, I think one of the themes that numbers again teaches us is that these fulfilled promises take time. Mm-hmm. The, the the fulfillment of these promises takes time that there's no guarantee that if God hasn't attached a timestamp to it, right. there's no guarantee like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow or today, or maybe even in my lifetime, as you pointed out. The other theme that you see evident in numbers, particularly every time the Israelites groan and complain to God and say, why did you do this to us? Even though what he did was free them from oppression and slavery and begin to lead them into a good and prosperous land. Uh, What you see is that the particular contingent of people who inspire this insurrection, so to speak, God comes and has to usher judgment upon the people that are propagating this sinful uh, rebellion. So you have in the book of Numbers, this rebellion led by a guy named Korah, and he rises up and he's one of these grumblers and doesn't like the direction, the way things are going on. Yeah. And God 
opens up the earth and swallows these guys, <laughs> right? Um, after Moses has said, no separate, your, separate <laughs> yeah. yourselves from these people if you don't want to be affiliated with them and their rebellion and be yeah. judged by God. And in doing this, there is a particular aspect of his glory that's made known in that what we see is that God is a God who is not going to let his people be corrupted yeah, by the infection of sin, if I could put it that way. Which all that to say, again, also highlights his mercy because another incident you see in Numbers is the story of the bronze serpent, mm-hmm. where you have the Israelites again complaining, whining, groaning, you know, why God is this happening? It's like, well, he just freed you from slavery. Okay. <laughs> he's freeing you from these oppressive Egyptians and he's leading you into a land that's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. What happens is snakes come out, start biting the people and they're dying. And God tells Moses, Hey, we want to construct a bronze serpent. And anyone who looks at the bronze serpent in faith mm-hmm. will be saved and delivered. So it's never arbitrary judgment where God is this, you know, like angry school kid, like, how dare you, you know, (laughs) defy me and, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure that I squelch this and you all know who I am. It's always in the context of revealing how holy and set apart he is and to continue to bring his people out of, in a way, not just their slavery from Egypt, but their slavery to this sin that as we saw in Genesis, we talked about this in Genesis. I mean, that sin continues to corrupt us and corrupt the world. Like we need to be freed of that. Mm -hmm. We need to be purged of that. And so we see the glory of God kind of come through in these instances in a unique way that we don't get a whole lot of outside of say a book like numbers. Right Now this does bring us to one final and very unique (laughs) incident in this book Mm -hmm. that you don't really see a lot of what's going to happen in the story happening in any other book. Right. And that is the story of Balaam, which you may or may not be familiar with because it's the story of the guy with the talking donkey. You know, no big (laughs) deal. Talking donkey. I'm a donkey, Shrek. Shrek, I'm a donkey. Get that? You like that subtle Shrek reference? the talking talking donkey? No. So if you remember, what happens is Israelites are moving toward their destination. The king of Moab is not thrilled. No. He's not liking what's going on. In fact, what he does is he goes out and gets this prophet for hire is the best way I can think (laughs) of describing this moment. He goes out and hires this man named Balaam. Mm -hmm. And what he wants Balaam to do is pronounce a curse on the people he's of Israel. He's a spiritual hitman. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good example. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like a spiritual hitman. Like, man, put a curse on these people for me. Why don't you bail them? And here's the thing. What you end up seeing by the time you get to the end of the story is that Balaam wants to yeah. do this because the king of Moab is promising him many cash dollars <laughs> to do this, right? Uh, he's he's going to make Balaam a rich, rich man. All he has to do is pronounce a curse. That's it. All he has to do is just pronounce a curse. I mean, I'm thinking, all right, this is not theologically accurate, okay? So don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm just thinking fancifully and fun. You know, yeah. I'm thinking, man, if I'm Balaam, like that happens. I'm just saying words that don't Ew. even mean anything. Like this Jesus. is an actual curse. Like I'm just going to go up there and, you know, say... A pox upon thee, and then yeah. that'll be, you Easiest know. money you ever made. $20 million, please. Yeah. <laughs> Did that mean anything? No, and I'm going to take it and run. I could pronounce a lot of words for a lot of dollars. <laughs> Piece of cake. <laughs> yes. 
so what you see is Balaam wants to do this. Mm-hmm. However, the certainty of God fulfilling his promises to his people is so set and it is inevitably going to happen. Like mm-hmm. God is not going to let his promises fall to the wayside. He is going to fulfill them and these people are going to make it into this land that he's promised them. Nothing can stop that. And so when Balaam tries to go and pronounce a curse against Israel, he can't. He literally cannot do it. He is compelled by God himself. And actually what he says is, because King of Moab eventually is like, what the heck? Because what ends up happening is Balaam ends up blessing them, not cursing them. And so eventually, of course, the king is like, what the heck? And what Balaam says is the word God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So even though I'd like to be basically made rich, which is more or less why when you go back and read the story, the donkey speaks and, Mm. you know, the joke of the whole story is the donkey is more aware of the spiritual realities than this so-called prophet is, right? This mute animal. So Balaam wants to curse him, but he literally cannot because the way that God has orchestrated these events is going to come to pass. Like Mm. nothing is going to stop that at this point, which is a very unique kind of a theme. I feel like that you don't really see that in a lot of literature stories. That's true. We're very much, I think, a people who are all about the way, well, no, we can't change things. You know what I mean? Like we're very much about how, how we steer that ship. Yeah. And you know, I'm the captain now, you know, I do this, like we can change this, you know, Balaam can go pronounce a curse on them and alter the fate of the nation. And what we see in this particular instance is that no, there are some cases like in this where God has made a promise and it's happening. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. Like that's, that's happening. Again, that's a unique theme. I'm like, how, where do you even begin to well, talk about these things in a right. cultural landscape like ours? With that, there's a lot of very specific and spiritually centered things that we just covered. Like, you can't remove the spiritual context from that right. in a lot of cases. But towards the end there, the whole thing with Balaam, I think, is the point in which there are uh, more threads that are recognizable for us hmm. outside of this very fancifully spiritual context without talking donkeys and so forth. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and so like what you described about this inevitability and our desire to affect change against that. And something pretty recent in our cultural context was the movie A Star is Born. Oh, yes. Which some people are going to hear that and they're not going to think of the 2018 movie A Star is Born. They're actually going to think of the previous releases of this property. Yeah, because it's an old fable-ish, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. And the most recent iteration uh, was spearheaded by Bradley Cooper, who stars in it, alongside Lady Gaga, which is going to really surprise some people. (laughs) Um, And they're like, Ethan, what are you talking about? Well, actually, I don't, I'm not actually extremely familiar with the previous iterations, but what some people might already know going in, in regards to this kind of inevitability, is this dichotomy between our principal characters. And in this iteration, they go by the names Allie and Jackson Maine. Mm-hmm. She, this starlet in the making, if you didn't catch that by the title. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we know as the audience that she has what it takes. We know what she has to offer the world. And that's painted against the tired limelight of Jackson. He's been living on the stage of success for who knows how long. And he, it's clear he's seen some better days. So uh, yes, you get this like opposing trajectory, like really, really soon out of the gate. Yeah. That's something 
most people might know before they even sit down. Right. You can get the IMDb synopsis. Yeah, yeah. And you'll get that. Yeah, and you'll know that someone's rise is going to come at the cost of someone's inevitable fall. Yeah. There are elements to that I didn't notice until we started talking about it in the context of numbers, truth be told, which I, that was very, that was very rewarding that to me. Crazy. It's not just the inevitability of their lives and their careers and really their love story, but their efforts to the contrary and the obstacles that come against them in their lives and their relationship and stuff like that, yeah. that becomes key points of contention. Yeah, yeah. In a much less spiritual sense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, that's sort of the the conflict that we see happening in even a book like Numbers. Is yes. You have an effect where someone's going to be rising and people realize, well, that means in some capacity, someone's got to fall. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And of course, I think the story is a lot of nuance to it. Certainly. And I don't want to like paint over the details, but I also don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> right. Because yes. it's like really, I think there are a lot of very uh, poignant moments that should be experienced. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really, like you were saying, to go back to Balaam, um, yeah. he has an agenda. Right. He has a desire here. He has some personal gain yes. to be concerned with. And he's trying to pronounce this curse, but absolutely cannot, is right. unable. And knowing that you have to report to a king. Yes. And so, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't say do some it. words. <laughs> like, that's not a comfortable position, but I think I think it'd be safe to say that's wrapped up in no small amount of frustration. I agree. To be unable to enact change. Yes. And like that is actually what I really want to draw out. And it's what I didn't, I don't think I really took that into careful consideration until we started talking about numbers. Yeah, yeah. In the film, for instance, we see that in both a positive and a negative light. Um, yeah, so both good and bad examples exactly. of trying to affect change, but you can't do it. Exactly. Like with Allie, obviously the star to be born of <laughs> the film, the namesake. Yes. Um, she has this kind of, this resistance and self-doubt that's holding her back, that's keeping her on the sidelines, keeping her from this like greatness to be, but try as she might, she's placed on this pedestal. She's given this exposure to our benefit, to her benefit. And what do you know? A star is born. Ah, <laughs> um, he said it. <laughs> but like on the opposing end of that, Jackson Maine uh, and his career and his life, his relationships with his family, like, everything is going downhill for him. His yep. hearing. How yeah. sad is that? <laughs> yeah. But if that wasn't enough, he's an alcoholic and uh, he's done nothing but expedite this downward turn to his career, to his life. Um, yeah. But he does make an effort to change it in some right. capacity. Obviously, it's a little sad there wasn't more of an effort because <laughs> yeah. you, 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 know, you feel for these characters. But despite his efforts to slow this decline, to stay relevant, right. it doesn't work out. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, there is a moment, for lack of a better term, I mean, they almost have this Balaam moment, right, where it comes to a head and words are said oh. that try and, and it, it doesn't achieve Intended yeah, this is the purpose. conversation on the balcony. Yeah. Okay, that is probably one of my favorite examples because it's like it's kind of a tender conversation, or at least it feels at least it feels like it's supposed to be. She's really succeeding and he's really not, but he still kind of comes from this world of experience. Right. And he's trying to give her this advice on the importance of, you know, being authentic and having something to say. And as the audience, here's where it gets really unique. As the audience, we're pretty partial to his advice. Like, we want to hold on to the character that we fell in love with just as much as he does. Right. So it feels like we have some skin in the game. But if you shed the mushy, sentimental, 
angle, embarrassingly, it kind of feels like a self-interested agenda. Mm-hmm. It's not malicious. It's really not. I don't, yeah. I don't feel that it is. But implicitly, we're kind of guilty of it. Yeah. Essentially saying that this is your key to success. This is, this is what makes you great. This is what you have to do. It's your responsibility. So when it, at the very least, feels like it falls on deaf ears in a weird and kind of twisted way, we begin to experience that same frustration. Like we are now placed in that moment wishing that we can enact change, that we can yeah. save something or preserve something, but it's too far gone. It's decided. Yeah. Um, and that frustration and that inability to affect change on something that is inevitable is something that is brought into kind of our hearts and minds. We're, we're drawn into the story, perhaps is a better way yeah. to put it, to experience mm-hmm. that exact and unique feeling. Yeah. And I think the other part of that that I think is unique about all this is that we, in our stories, we can only, some degree anyway, I think how we most primarily envision that is in cases like these where it's, you know, you got someone rising and someone Mm -hmm. falling and the fallout of that is a very... It's painful. It's traumatizing. Yeah, and it's not like, man, this is not pretty. Like, we don't like that. Mm -hmm. In contrast to when you see events like these unfolding in scripture, like the inevitability of, let's say, the victory of Christ over all his enemies, right? Just as like a positive example. That's a nice one. You know, that that is a restorative kind of an inevitability that we can't conjure those kinds of things up Mm -hmm. on our own. And I think the other crazy thing about all this is that in real life human experience, Mm -hmm. we can say maybe certain things are inevitable, but when it comes to human experience, we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't have the advantage of being on the outside looking in like thousands of years later, reading the story of Balaam or of, you know, being the audience watching a story like Jackson and Allie's unfold. It's movie magic. There's something you can feel sure of. Yeah. We don't have those advantages in current human experience to know where those moments are playing out. We just know in a broad sense now, that this is cheesy. I mean, this is like, don't take this with a grain of salt. But you know, one of the uh, one of the parts of Balaam's oracles is he says, um, "A star and a scepter." I think is what he says is arising out of Judah. You know, um, so like we know in in a sense that all the uh, you know the advent of Christ and yes. his return and his victory, those things are inevitable and assured, and there's nothing that's going to change that. How everything plays out leading up to that and what happens as a result. Anyone's guess. Yeah, we have no idea. And so all of that was to say, we're not encouraging you all to be fatalists, you know, like, (laughs) oh, hey, Balaam, they're inevitable. Jackson and Allie, it's inevitable. But it is an interesting theme. Oh, yeah. You know, and it does, I think, highlight when you're taking it in the proper light, the inevitability of, you know, Christ's. Yeah, Ascension it's definitely his. not always um, a depressing downturn. Right. There's there's also the kind of encouraging, the uplifting inevitability. In fact, that is really what you, pretty much all you get to hang your hat on. Right. And it's kind of funny. I mean, just as a final little brief, brief talking point. I mean, you even see some of this, I think, play out in the life of C.S. Lewis a little bit. Yeah, you know, the like, renowned yeah. Christian <laughs> apologist, thinker, philosopher. I mean, here was a guy who wanted to disavow God. He wanted Mm -hmm. God to not be real and to not exist. But when he came face to face with the reality of the world, and I mean, he had J.R.R. Tolkien was one of his best friends, author of Lord of the Rings, very devoted Christian, Mm -hmm. right? Friends with this guy. And over the course of a couple years, this inevitable conversion to Christianity. And he's like, he cannot help it. Like, it's just like, he, like you look back, it's like, he was just drawn to it. Like he could Mm -hmm. not, it was just going to happen. 
I do think that there are some, you know, when, when understood in the proper light and not in this fatalistic, like, I'll never change, you know, like the world <laughs> no, is, you know. Because you can use that as an excuse and that's not helpful. Yeah, exactly. So understanding, though, that the inevitability of God fulfilling his promises and how that plays out. And then I do think it is cool to see those kind of themes play out even in a movie like A Star is Born yeah. and say like, oh, this is not. Because sometimes we, in any other context, will never get a flavor of what that's like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I don't know. I think that's neat. Mm-hmm. I think it's really neat. I don't know. You got any final thoughts, comments, or anything like that? Or If you watch the movie, bring some tissues. Oh, for sure. I was a weeping bag Me of too. tears. I cried for weeks. Yeah. That's almost a joke. <laughs> <laughs> almost, he yeah. says. Keyword, mm-hmm. almost a joke. Yeah, because I still listen to that soundtrack and sobbed. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe <throat> we could cut that. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's okay. We we are in touch with our our hearts. That's a that's a good thing. That's mm. a good thing. Thank you for bringing that back up. <laughs> well, that concludes another episode of the Creative Commentary. Our next episode in the series will be Deuteronomy. We'll be yeah. finishing up with the Pentateuch. Yeah, and then who knows? We might uh, yeah we might mix it up a bit. We might mix it up a little bit. <laughs> Keyword might. We might. Who can say? Who can Is say it we- inevitable? Mm. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I did that. <laughs> I regret it immediately, but I did it. I did it. It was such a low-hanging fruit I couldn't resist. So, got any questions, feedback, we'd love to hear it Mm. at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You almost said something wrong there. I did. Well, I was going for like, you know, uh, you can, you know, reach out to us on Facebook or something, and it got mixed up in my head. That's okay. It happens. That came out right. You know what I mean? So, email it to podcast at Mm horizonschurch.net, or find us on social media. Give me a, a ring. A ring. I'm not giving you my phone number. I'm not doing that. I was just I was like about to like say my cell phone number. Like I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Y'all yeah. are crazy, but you're all awesome. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you. We Leave really us do. those honest five star reviews on iTunes. Yes, that's that's all I've got. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Please cut that. Bye bye. <laughs> Please cut it. <laughs> <laughs> uh.